joined by the great Wayne Cook, former UCLA quarterback, UCLA broadcaster. And Wayne, while we might not have any football for the foreseeable future with the spring practices not taking place, we have a whole lot to get to about UCLA football and why there's a whole lot of positivity to look forward to this team in Chip Kelly's third season. Wayne, how are you doing, man? How has your life changed, say, in the last couple couple weeks and months since this coronavirus thing? It's first of all, Brian. Hi, how are you, man? It's uh, it's it's good to be talking to you again. You know, it's, it seems like it's been a while since football season ended, and I know you had a, a basketball season to cover. But um, and by the way, before I answer your question, yeah. I, I love all the guests you're pulling in for the show. You're, you're you're working hard, and you're getting some some great names of of, of great Bruin players. Basketball, football, I love it. So, so keep up the good work. Thank you, man. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, things have changed dramatically. You know, even just stupid stuff like, you know, I had my, my calendar set up where I go out to a minimum of, of three spring practices a, a, a year. And, you know, I live down in Temecula, so it's a little bit of a track. So I have to figure out, is it, a, is it during my spring break? I'm, I'm a teacher when I'm not doing broadcasting stuff. Um, and then a Saturday or two. And I, I'm, to be honest with you, I, I'm going through football withdrawals. I mean, I, obviously, there, there's bigger things out there, and we all know that. But it doesn't mean we can't miss what we normally do. And I've been doing this for, you know, 20 years. And so not going out to spring practice, not getting to talk to the coaches, to meet the new quarterbacks, to, you know, to, to, to you know, it's just it's so fun, and I, and I miss it. And then as a teacher, you know, and you can see if you're watching this right now, my, my office has turned into something different. I, this was not here two months ago. I've been working on it as I've been at home because I'm teaching from right here. Uh, I'm, I'm doing broadcasting from right here right now. And so it's been kind of fun to put this all together. Um, but it's, it's different. I'm teaching from home. I'm broadcasting from home. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, things have changed a lot. So Wayne Cook is joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Wayne Cook UCLA. I'm Brian Fenley. I'm on Twitter at Brian Fenley. So you have developed quite the little shrine here, Wayne. And I'm sure everybody has had to utilize all this extra time. So many people in quarantine, whether it's cleaning out the garage and finding ways to try and be using your time wisely during this yep. crazy period. I heard, Wayne, that you had your 21-year-old son had a birthday <laughs> yep. and doing it in quarantine. How did that end up working out? So that's a, that's a great uh, – it's funny that you saw that. It, it's, it was fun because I, we felt terrible for that. I mean, you're 21. I mean, all he wanted to do was go buy, you know, beer and hopefully for the first time. Hopefully, um, yeah. <laughs> so, which, which is doubtful. But anyway, he um, – you know, he, we did go with masks on down to the supermarket. My wife even videotaping him, videotaped oh him and buying something. We, we, we were being really good, though. We had a party in our backyard for him, and uh, we set up uh, beer pong, which I'm embarrassed to admit that he, he beat me. And, you know, he's practiced. You know, that wasn't a game that, that I played in college. So I had to introduce a game that I could win at. This game called Caps. And uh, I, I'm proud to say I have not lost in that one yet. So it's, it was really, really fun. We had a good day. Nothing out of control. But we, we had fun. And, I, you know, he's going a little bit crazy. But, but uh, being 21 and not being able to go out. Yeah. But he's handled it well. When the dust settles on this, I'm sure he's going to make up for it in, in a way, going out with friends I think and, so too. Yeah. And, and having a blast. So 
Okay, we've got so much to go and talk about here, Wayne, with UCLA football. I'm of the belief that we are going to have a season. I just don't know when that season's going to start. And I know we had some UCLA followers on, on Twitter. And, and one question from David Medina, Wayne, was, you know, he was asking, Wayne, do you think there will be a season? And as far as contingency plans, if the season is limited, what would that look like? What are your thoughts on what might transpire here in the next couple months? First off, I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's a that's a name that um, if this is the right David Medina, but if it's one that I, I know and remember from from college, uh, it's good to hear from you, David. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's such a good question, and I gotta be honest with you, Brian. I mean, other than what we hear, and I've listened to Coach Kelly a couple times when he's he's had interviews, I don't think anybody knows. And if you've been watching the, the, the news, I, I still don't think anybody knows. I mean, you know, we, we talk about Dr. Fauci as being this, you know, unbelievably brilliant person, but, you know, things change. Yeah. You know, when they first start talking about this to what they're talking about now and you're listening to all these doctors and all these experts, and the one thing I've learned about people is we love to sit on our high horse from behind our, our screens and judge everybody. Like, you said something wrong two months ago. Well, it's because this is brand new. Yeah. I, I kind of relate it to, like, to sports like you know sometimes when you lose a game it's not because the coach screwed up it's not because the quarterback screwed up it's not because the player screwed up it's just because you lost like sometimes that happens and we always want an answer and we always got to come up with with whatever and right now we're dealing with this you know I don't want to call this a game because it's it's more serious than that but there's a lot of unanswered questions and we're learning new stuff every day. I mean, these doctors are, are all over the world are testing, testing, testing to try to figure it out. So I, I've been scared that me, because again, in a selfish way, I, I not only think about football as this great escape for, for not only me, but for all of us that love sport, love entertainment, love to get away from our, our day-to-day grind and, and go do something really, really fun. Um, but I also worry about all the people that work in sports. I, I worry about all the people that um, all the athletic departments, and, and, and I'm, I swear I mean this because there's so many people that put in so much effort into what they do without a football season. It yeah. cripples athletic departments. So much money comes from, from men's football and men's basketball. And that's not an insult to anybody else. That it, it trickles into gymnastics, it trickles into softball, it trickles in. I mean, so much is impacted. And this is not just UCLA, this is everybody. So I worry about if, if football's gone, what are the ramifications down the road financially? Um, I, there's just so many factors that play into this. So I, to answer David's question, I'm with you, Brian. I think we're going to have a season. Could it be a season without fans? Could it be a. Uh, a season where the non-conference is eliminated and you only play conference games, which to me, again, if you're talking about a month though, the way things are going, it seems like these months, you know, go, you know, they keep extending, extending, extending. Um, what happens if there's a fall relapse, yeah. you know, which has been talked about and that's happened before. Um, there are a lot of questions, but I, I'm starting to feel like, you know, the, the, not just in the United States, but in the world, we're working really, really hard and to figure this thing out. And one thing I've learned that if you put a bunch of really smart people globally together to try and solve a problem, we're pretty amazing. You know, people are. And so let, let's be hopeful that we keep going in the right direction. Let's, let's, you know, and then let's hope this gets done because 
you know, not just football, but some sense of normalcy. I know there's been a lot of, we're never going to go back to normal. Maybe our new normal is better. Maybe we get smarter, but, but I would like to believe that at some point in time, we'll be sitting in a stadium with, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand fans, depending on if we're winning or losing, Um, (laughs) you know, going crazy. And that's, that's what I want. And that's what I hope. Yeah, I'm with you. And like you said, every day is different. We might learn something tomorrow that we had no clue was going to happen today. And that actually might be in our benefit. I know you you would mention listening to some of Chip Kelly's recent interviews. He's had to do them over like a teleconference. And and he brought up a couple points that he's planning the season to start as is. And I feel like that's the way you have to be because you don't want all of a sudden it to rush up on you. And we're at a place where – some of the experts didn't think we are projection-wise, and it actually benefits us more because we're social distancing or being in a position here where we're being patient but also smart about how we take care of ourselves. And you said the financial impact as well. And so I don't know, maybe we could – I'm sure a 100 different ideas have been thrown out there, Wayne, but what happens if we started the season like – in October or, or November, right. because right. I, I think even if we start the season, then we're not going to have necessarily a vaccine, but the number of testing kits will be there and the antibody levels, people will know what that's all about so that there will be a level of comfort because it's not like it's all going to go away in a couple right. months. I wish that was the case. And I tried like you, I, I try to be as positive as I can with everything. And it, it, it pains me when we see people get so negative, but I understand there's a realism to this as well. But if we can get the numbers down and show that we can control them, then maybe that will bring out a level of comfort in that it will happen. But like you, Wayne, I think it's going to happen. And I feel like as this podcast is going to be an escape, let's pretend that it is going to happen because I, 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 I'm with you. I think it will. And my, we have so many cool things I wanted to, to ask you, Wayne, because for one, the NFL draft is coming up, and I know you're doing a lot with that as well, and looking particularly at the Bruins. And my question for you here is, Wayne, and Wayne joins us, Wayne Cook, former UCLA quarterback, also a broadcaster for the Bruins. You can find him on Twitter at Wayne Cook UCLA. I'm on Twitter at Brian Fenley. Who do you think, Wayne, is going to be the first Bruin drafted? I, I think um, it's it would be between um, – well, I'll just say it. It's going to be – I think I would think it's Joshua Kelly. I just think what he did after uh, in, in his, in his um, all-star game. Yes. Where he was a leading rusher, and he looked fantastic. What he did at the combine and his numbers, he ran a 4-4 something, I believe, which is awesome for a running back his size. He's a downhill runner. He catches the ball well on the backfield. He's got – every it factor you can think of that we've chronicled so much. So I really like um, Joshua Kelly as someone that, you know, I don't know how high that's going to be, but when it gets into those, those third, fourth round type, someone's going to be sitting there thinking we need a running back. And once you get past the, maybe the top names, look at the tape, go back and watch the, the USC game from a year ago. Go, go back and watch what he did. It was a slow start this year, but you know what he did once he got rolling, um, I think he can play. Um, Darnay Holmes has also done very well since, uh, since he graduated. Um, and, and what's cool about him is, I don't know if you, I believe Darnay graduated in like three years. 
That's right. Like, you did. He was so quick. Well, for, for me, that tells you something. And, and to listen to Chip Kelly talked about Darnay Holmes a little bit about how driven he is and how he had a plan all along. And I thought that was really, really interesting because, you know, Darnay, when he was out, we felt it. And when he came back, he wasn't quite healthy. And then when he got healthy, and I've always said this about corners, we stopped talking about him because he was just doing his job. Yeah. He's just, he was out there doing what Darnay does when he's healthy. And then when I watched him in some of the, 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 the bowl, bowl practices and some of the um, – and, and, and you watch how fast he is, how, how re- he's got great recovery time. He's got great balance. He can change directions. All the things – his hips are really good. All the things that NFL scouts like, the, the only knock on Darnay is he, he's short, you know, for a, for a corner. And, re- and, you know, you know as well as I do that the receivers are huge now. I mean, they're big, they're fast, they're strong. Um, Darnay doesn't play his height, though. He plays bigger than that. And I think someone's going to get a really good back. And then, you know, I'll mention one more guy. Um, and, and this isn't an insult to anybody else because, you know, the NFL is filled with guys that have made their dreams come true by busting their butts, by, by working really, really hard and overcoming adversity. But I, I think Devin Asiasi is another guy that's going to get looked at because of his athleticism, because of his size, because of his ability to block. You know, he's one of those guys that can do it all. And he really proved late in his UCLA career how agile he is and how good of a receiver he is. I don't know if people knew that about him early on. Um, so I, I think those three we'll see after that. I, I think that, you know, obviously I'm rooting for a guy like Chris Barnes. Um, I want to see him succeed because I think he's, he's great. I think um, just like anybody else, I think a guy like Chris has an amazing opportunity in front of him. He's got the size. He proved that he can be a heck of a player. Um, it does hurt these guys sometimes that he played on a defense that did nothing but struggle. Um, but he's going to get in, you know, and there's a lot of guys, we see this every year. You're going to get in camp and you're going to get your chance. Bust your butt on special teams. You know, you don't have to be a linebacker day one that's in the starting lineup. You know, you're a guy, I remember, I'll give you an example, Brian. Jayon Brown was a guy that we watched at UCLA that, that, that really turned heads by playing on special teams. Every single time you, there'd be any special teams, play, would be like Jayon Brown, Jayon Brown, Jayon Brown. He was everywhere. Then you put him on the field and it was like, Jayon Brown, now he can play linebacker too. Now you watch him in the NFL and he's doing the same thing. Yeah. So have that mindset when, when you go into the draft, you know, whether you're a drafted player or a free agent, you're going to get your chance. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. Well, look at what Darius Pickett did with that chance. And he's still finding a way in the league. And I think he's still hanging on with the New England Patriots. It was cool because we had him on here and he was undrafted and he was looked over and he used that as fuel. And then I think about when guys like Boss Tagaloa, who has played on both sides of the line, will he get that opportunity? And if he does, will he make the most out of it? Keyshawn Luce yourself and Josh Woods and, you know, other guys like that. And even J.J. Molson, because we've seen how good he is. I feel like he will get a fair chance as well. What do you think about some of those guys as well? They're all going to be in camp. They're all going to. They're all going to get something. Every every single player you mentioned, I think, is going to get an opportunity to play. Um, but we all know, and I've I've experienced this myself. I mean, no matter what, you know, you see all the stuff behind me that didn't do me any good in the NFL. You know, I had a chance to play with Forty ers Had a chance to play with the. Um, uh, I had a chance to play with the Arizona Cardinals, and 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 by the time I had reached that point, my body was so beat up, and my my arm was so beat up, and that's an excuse. And the players there are really, really good. 
there, there's more players, and I, this is one of my favorite analogies, uh, Brian. When when I when ESPN Classics kind of became a thing, you could go and, and and turn it on, and you could watch Notre Dame, Michigan from like the mid '80s, and you could watch amazing players. He'd be like, whatever happened to that guy? I remember that guy because I remember watching him play. He was really, really good, but he did not make it in the NFL. The NFL, you know, the, the old Jerry Glanville stands for not for long. Um, <laughs> you, don't, you, you don't make it in the NFL unless, unless you're something special. And, and not only that, you're lucky. I mean, you remember Jonathan Franklin. You know, I thought he was yeah. going to be an excellent NFL back, and he, he gets hurt. And now he's gone on to bigger and better things because Jonathan Franklin's, you know, the mayor is awesome. But guys like that, you mentioned Darius Pickett a second ago, whether he makes it in the NFL or not, and I know he'll work as hard as he can to make it, he's going to be a success no matter what because who who Darius Pickett is. Just a great young man, right? So you're going to get your opportunity, but you've got to, get, you've got to have some luck along the way. You have to have a, a, a coach that's willing to sponsor you and give you a chance. You, every guy has to know it. If you're a free agent, and you're competing against a third-round pick that they've invested money in. There are politics in this game, too. Yeah. There's so many former players that will be like, man, I was better than that guy. But because that guy was getting paid more, you end up getting cut. So there's a lot of things, and you'll listen. There's stories of guys that have been cut six, seven times. They keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, and they finally make it. And, and they're next thing you know, they're in the league for eight or nine years. So it, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's insane. Uh, it's it's nerve wracking. I remember sitting around on draft day thinking I was going to be a fifth, sixth, seventh round draft pick, and I got signed by the 49ers as a free agent. I got the call during the seventh round, but it's it's a long, stressful process. And but that's just the beginning. After that, you got to go to work, right? Yeah. And without a pro day, I would think that for some of those guys, it would hamper them because you have the game tape. But there's so much, Wayne, you would attest to with conversing with NFL scouts, getting that one-on-one, -on -one, building those relationships. And so I'm wondering, Wayne, what you think once the draft is done, once the, the undrafted guys sign with free agent deals, what the landscape of, of the NFL is going to be like in terms of are those guys going to get a chance and when is that going to be? We're all wondering when that's going to happen. And because they haven't seen these guys other than the tape, how will that influence the decision on what players you pick that weren't drafted and you're thinking, okay, I've got this pool. How do I get the best out of that pool as well? So for, for me being a football guy, and maybe this is just my gray hair speaking. <laughs> Wait, you're still really young. You're still, you're still really young. So I'm, I'm, I'm four, I'm 49 this year just recently. So I'm, I'm getting there, but, but hear me out, Brian, this is, this is interesting. Why would you need more than the film? Why would you need more than talking to the coaches? Why would you need to, – to me, the combine's great, and you can, you can obviously help yourself, and we all know that, you know, people go, wow, that guy's faster than I thought. Um, but, I mean, I always go back to Jerry Rice didn't run well. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were slower than dirt. I mean, I was, I'm slow, and I was faster than they were. I ran a 4.9-something. I think both those guys were in the fives. Um, football's – it's football. I want to turn on the tape and see how you play. Uh, can you not do interviews like we're doing now, you know, using Zoom? Yeah, true. Um, the, you know, the guys that went to the combine got to take the Wonderlick test and they got to be interviewed. And the guys that played in all-star games got, you know, if I, I played in the blue-gray game uh, my senior year. And, you know, you get interviewed by all the scouts. It's just like combine. You know, they're there at practice. They're, you go into their, you know, come into my hotel room and you take tests and you do all the crazy stuff that you do. So they've had opportunities 
your pro day is that last chance probably to say, Hey, look, I can, you know, I th trust me, I've got the arm to do this or trust me, I can make this catcher. But at the end of the day, if you're a scout and, and you need that to make your final decision and, and other than just looking at the film and maybe talking to coaches and talking about, cause you do have to learn about their personalities. Are they reliable or the type of people you can count on? And trust me, uh, there's an old adage. I had a scout once that called me. Um, this was for a high school kid. This was years ago. He was coaching at Washington at the time. And he called me up to ask me about a kid. And I, I told him, I said, you don't want him. I said, he's a, he, he looks the part. I go, but he's, 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 a, he's one of those dudes. And everybody that's ever played sports, you know this guy. He's a, he's a yeller and screamer that will let you down every time in the fourth quarter. He's a rah-rah guy. He's not a ball player. He just wasn't. He might have been 6'6". He might have looked the part, but he just wasn't a ball player. And I told the coach that. I've told that, that, that to other kids over the years. They're like, wow, you totally sold that kid out. I go, no, I didn't. I go, because if I tell that coach that he should go after a kid that I don't think is a player, what about the 10 other kids after that where I'm going, I know this guy doesn't have the size, but you need to look at this kid. I've lost all credibility. Sure. So when coaches in the NFL, and you know the coaching circle, they're all intertwined. They all, yes. These guys all know each other. Yes. You're going to get the truth. You're going to get the truth from the, the coaches aren't going to lie because if they lie about player now, say you should take this guy, and he's really not a reliable guy, he's not a hard worker, he's just a pretty good athlete, then you're hurting other players down the road because now these scouts aren't going to listen to you. So talking to coaches, I think, is, is probably really, really important. Um, you know, teammates, you, you, you learn a lot about players. You could watch them. I mean, shoot, we, every single game, there's so much film. There's so much angles, even just watching a kid and how they behave on the sidelines yes. during a game. I'm telling you all that stuff matters. You learn so much about players that way. So the pro days are a big deal. They really are. They're a chance to showcase yourself, but I don't think it's, it's the end all be all of the draft. Yeah, I'm with you. And then if you think about it, there's the internet. So if you want to do research on a player, Absolutely. there's a thing called Google, and I'm sure you might find their social media pages and seeing if there are any red flags there as well. So like you said, there are a lot of ways around this. And how about what we have coming up this season in terms of the guys that we bring back for UCLA? Wayne, we heard in the – I think we only had three spring practices before stuff got canceled, somewhere around there. But Chip Kelly had talked about the, the volume of players that he had on the practice field was so much more than his first two seasons. So we're getting horses, more guys out there. That is a good start. And unfortunately, we only got to see three practices. Right. But where are you with – we mentioned Joshua Kelly. I wanted to ask you how this whole offense would look with Demetric Feldman, how he might be – the featured back, or how do you feel like his role might change in a big way because of Kelly going on to the draft? So many people, um, when they when they think about Chip Kelly, immediately think Oregon. Like for example, I was watching a one of the old um, Oregon. You know, they've been showing so many classic sports, sure. right? So, so I've been watching a lot, and it was a, it was Jeremiah Masoli. Oregon led, you know, Chip Kelly coached, you know, it, it was just, it was fun to watch. Um, I, I wish people would realize that Chip Kelly is an offensive mind. He's not necessarily, this is the system and this is what we're going to do. I'm going to run what Oregon ran, whatever. 
it, football is constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. It's, it's, it, and you have to grow with the time. And there are people that really get football and they're able to do that. Whether it's, you know, using multiple tight ends or it's, you know, spreading everybody out and using as many receivers as possible. And you have to play to your talent too. You know, you can't, you can't play football and, and showcase a DeAnthony Thomas if you don't have a DeAnthony Thomas. Yeah. You, you see what I'm getting at? Like yeah. players like that are, are, are special. So, so going back to Demetric Felton, who I thought was so explosive and so good last year, and, and remember the problem on this team has not been, in my opinion, offense. The offense hasn't been spectacular, but the defense has been the, the, the part of the team that's kind of, you know, having a hard time getting things going. Um, we also lose, you mentioned boss, but we know that, that, that Chris Murray, I believe went to Oklahoma. Is it Oklahoma? Yeah. I know, is, by the way, I just saw that Austin Burton signed with Purdue. Yeah. Uh, which is a, by the way, good choice by him. I, I think he fits with coach Brom and what they, what they do at Purdue. I'm happy for those guys. I want them to go on. And I, I, I know the coaching staff would say the same way. We all as Bruins, it stinks when people leave, but I get it. You know, it, sometimes you just, you have to make, decisions that are best for you but anyway I, I think that you know if the if the offensive line can fill in the holes and we saw some other young players step in and I think we're I honestly think we're going to be okay on the O-line I really do you do we're okay. going we're going to miss Joshua Kelly because of the way he runs Demetric Felton is a different type of runner okay I don't know if they're going to use him as the every down back or if they're still going to move him around I would love for them to find uh, you know, amongst the group of running backs, whether it's a new player that's coming in that's been recruited or, or someone that's already on, on, on the team, to, to be able to be uh, more of a straight-up running back. Not to say that Demetrius Felton can't do that, but I still think Demetrius Felton is so explosive that you, you need to use him in multiple ways. To have him pounded between the tackles on every play that he carries the ball, I mean, I like to see him – in the slot. I'd like to see yeah. him motion out. I'd like to see him be that weapon because he, he is really electric. His ability to start and stop and to get to full speed really quickly. And he's, and you guys just don't, let's not underestimate this. You talked about it at the beginning. UCLA having a full complement of players. Sure. Whether it's the players that they've had envisioned having at this point, that's a different discussion because, you know, they're still building towards what type of athletes sure. you get when you win 10 games versus winning four. Right. So you're going to, you know, and they're getting great athletes, but the depth and some of that stuff is still hard to come by just because you have numbers, but that really helps. The numbers are going to help, but um, they, they're really just going to have to find a way to, to, to use the players the right way. Obviously a huge part of if Felton is successful is going to be the line, but it's also going to be Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yeah. You know, I know you were going to ask me a question about him eventually. Yeah, for you sure. Know, I still think, you know, Dorian's third-year starter. You know, if he starts playing, and I've said this a million times, you know, it's hard to play quarterback when you're young. Players have done it. We've seen it. But even the great Cade McNown, who's, you know, arguably the, the best quarterback and, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in UCLA history, I put him and Gary Beeman and probably Troy Aikman up on my, you know, and, and I, I will say I, I like Brett Hundley a lot too. He beat USC three times, um, you know, and won a lot of games. Dorian is coming into this time of his career where he needs to be the guy. You know, he, he, you know, if you've played for two years, if you're going to be a four-year starter at UCLA, 
you needed to end it the way that, you know, I know Drew Olson was a senior when he threw a million touchdowns and had a great year with, with Mercedes Lewis and Maurice Jones Drew, but it's time. You, you're no longer a kid, right? You're one of those people that, that needs to step it up. And I think if Dorian becomes what I think the coaching staff and the fan base hopes he can be, a guy that can run, a guy that can throw, I don't know about you, Brian, but don't you think that helps a guy like, I mean, if you can utilize felt out of the backfield catching the ball, if you're a good enough, because remember, when you throw the ball really, really well, it helps running backs. Just like when running backs run really, really well, it helps quarterbacks. So – they have to complement each other, and they're both. They both played a lot of downs. It's time. It's time to put it together. I, I'm with you, Wayne. Wayne Cook joins us, former UCLA quarterback, also broadcaster for the Bruins. Follow him on Twitter at Wayne Cook UCLA. You mentioned Cade McNown. I just saw Wayne that he got inducted or will be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. I think he's the 16th Bruin to do that. So that's really cool. You also brought up DTR and what we might see out of him compared to what we saw the first two years. I think, you know, Wayne, one of the things that we're all worried about or thinking about for him moving forward is how is he going to handle himself emotionally out there? Because sometimes it looked like he had a little extra nerve out there and that maybe that affected his decision-making. And he knows better than anyone that his turnovers have to diminish because that will be the next step for him in becoming that junior third-year starter. My question for you now, Wayne, is with Colson Yankoff coming into the picture as a, a great quarterback who is highly recruited coming over from Washington, how much pressure do you think Colson could put on DTR? The one thing you learn about this great game is that it's you're never safe. That's that's you know if you're if you're a quarterback and you can't handle that then you can't play. I mean I can go way back to when when I was first recruited at UCLA. Um, Brett Johnson was the quarterback, and then he was replaced by Jim Bonds, and then he was replaced by Tommy Maddox. And then Tommy Maddox says, "This is my job. You can't have it." And he played for two years, and then was a first round draft choice. Then when he left, I came in and played. But when I got hurt, my very first game. The next year, the coaches said, you have to earn your job again. So I earned my job again, and I played my junior year, and we, we had a very, very good year and played in a Rose Bowl. But then I came back my senior year, and we won our first two games. Then we went on a losing streak. When we started losing, guess what? That job's not necessarily yours. There was two games my senior year where I actually got yanked. Now, the guys behind me didn't come in and do any better, and, and so I ended up you know, keeping my job, but you never stop competing is my point. You know, I mean, even middle of the year after being a Rose Bowl quarterback, I'm sitting there my senior year going, really, coach, you're taking me out? Why? <laughs> well, because we're losing. I mean, that's how football is. And, and this is a, you know, if you're, if you're not winning, you know, people start questioning you. Dorian Thompson-Robinson is playing, and by, I can keep going, by the way, after I left, uh, Ryan Fiend took over for me and, and, Part of the way through that year, Cade McNown took over. Sure. And Cade McNown said, you're not, no, no one else has taken this job. I mean, that's kind of the way this, this business is. It's, it's, it's very cutthroat. Dorian has been able to be a quarterback on teams that people did not expect to do well. You know, Chip Kelly uh, has inherited a team that was definitely in a rebuild, right? Sure. The, the, you know, it was, it was, you know, not, not good when, when Mora left and, and then, you know, we sh we've struggled the first you know few years of, of Chip Kelly, and we're trying to build this thing the right way. This is the year I think you know that year three, where you're hopeful 
that the young players that have like the Kyle Phillips of the world, who I think has a chance to be an all American receiver. I think he's that good. You know, it's time for, for those guys to step it up for Dorian. Who's got a lot of time to step it up for these players that have been there. Demetri Felton did not just show flashes, but be it every single game. It, it, for, for us to become that eight, nine, 10 win team that goes to a solid bowl game or even better, those players are going to have to find a way to, to win. I mean, they have to, I mean, that's this business. And if you don't going back to your quarterback situation, if you're in year three and you're not winning football games, whether it's your fault or not, that, that's the thing that stinks about, it. I will tell you this. I personally, to this day, do not think that that losing streak was my fault my senior year. <laughs> I mean, it's like I screwed up some, trust me, but there was a lot of other pieces to the puzzle that just were broken. The, including a lot of injuries. So it's not all Dorian. For everybody that likes to blame the quarterback or give the quarterback credit, and I'll say that too, you know, it's not all the quarterback when we win either. He does have to win at this point, though. you you got to have to start showing people that you can win football games. And, you know, I've watched – have you watched Yankoff throw? I, I know I have. He's got a great arm. I don't, I've never seen him play, you know, other than high school yeah. stuff. I don't know what he's going to be like on the Rose Bowl on a Saturday afternoon when there's, you know, 70, 80,000 people there. But he does look the part. So, yes, Dorian has the experience. Yes, Dorian probably goes into fall, you know, the man. But it doesn't mean that that second-string quarterback can't push you. It just always happens. And, I mean, Fiend was on my heels the whole time. Every time I played. And before that, it was Rob Walker. They were always like, come on, man, make a mistake. Because that's how we're, we're, we're wired. Yeah. And you fight to not make those mistakes so that you stay on the field. It's got to be an interesting dynamic, Wayne, because you're all on the same team. Like, you guys all want to win, but you also want your own individual opportunity as well. It's like you don't want, like, your teammate to just stink it up and perform poorly necessarily. But sometimes that's what it takes to get that opportunity. And then whether you relinquish it or you make the most of it is up on to the person. Now, here's a question for you, Wayne. You seem to be pretty high on the offensive line. I know there's a lot of question marks there with depth being something that might be there, might not be there. But the move that was announced with Antonio Moffi moving over to the offensive line, and he was a behemoth on the defensive line, and I don't know where his weight is right now, but it's well over 300 pounds. What do you think about that move and where he might fit in on the O-line? I don't know this for a fact, but but I'm imagining, and I, I don't know why I, I, I'm probably wrong, but most most elite athletes play both ways at some point in time in their life. I can't imagine he's never played offensive line before. Going back to his high school days, I mean, like, why not? Why wouldn't you not put that guy out there and say, we're going to run behind you? Sure. I mean, high school doesn't have that many 300-something-pound guys, and I, I don't know if – I think Antonio was probably 300 pounds when he was, like, 12. Okay? <laughs> so – the idea that I, and I also think that the athleticism that it takes to play D line serves guys really, really well moving over. Right. And we've seen it happen before. So um, I don't know if he steps in and becomes a starter. I actually, um, I, I, but I think there are enough guys. I really have been impressed with the way coach Fry coaches the offensive line. Um, so I, I like, and again, it, there's certain people that get blamed every time things don't go well, Sure, you know, and, and again, I'm going to go back to this. You know, when you're an offensive coach and the passing game's not working and you're trying to run the ball between the tackles and that's not working, I, I said it earlier, they complement each other. When offenses are clicking, you know, and again, I, I hate it when I do this on my other, on my College Sports Now podcast that you should all be listening to. Um, 
it's it's funny because I go Uncle Rico a lot. I I, I, <laughs> I because I I have my past and my experience. Um, but in our heyday, uh, in my best season with UCLA, where we had an offensive line that included Mike Flanagan and Vaughn Parker and um, and and you know Big John Ogden, one of the maybe the best actually the best offensive lineman of all time. Um, I would love walking up to the line of scrimmage and I've got all American receiver over there, all American receiver over there and the best offensive line in the game. And I was like, what do you want defense? You put six in the box. We're going to, we're going to gash you. We're going to run. We're going to run downhill and we're going to get whatever we want. You're going to put more people in the box. I've got one-on-one with two six foot four all American receivers. So pick your poison. When you have, and that team that I'm referring to had six first-team All-Americans. I mean, we, we, we were loaded. When you have that, you get to do that. This offense, trust me, when Chip Kelly was coaching the players he was coaching at, at Oregon and they were going off, it, it becomes a game that's really fun because you walk up to the line of scrimmage and you're like, what do you want? What do you want us to do? Do you want us to run it against you or do we want you want us to throw it against you? And back in those days, if you remember the signs on the on, on the sidelines and it come up to the line of scrimmage yeah. and look over the coach and they would call plays. Well, in my day, it was more me. It was more like, you know, the, hey, co- co- I would just read the defense and, and make a check to what, you know, they I didn't think they could stop. And when you're rolling, everything works. Fast forward to my senior year when we have all the injuries, we have all the problems, and we had a losing streak. You walk up to the line of scrimmage and go, okay, hey, I see this play. It's going to work, and then it doesn't work because you don't have the guys to, to win the battles. D- does that make sense? So UCLA has to get the guys that are going to win the battles. You know, it's fun to play football when you say, I'm going to run it right there against you, and you can't stop me because we're better than you are. That's what Clemson's doing. That's what Alabama's doing. That's what Ohio State's doing. We're going to do this whether you like it or not. That's what UCLA is trying to build into. And I really, I'm seeing so much hope in this offense. But it's, it's you know, they've got to find a way because they've got the receivers. They've got the, you know, they've got to make sure that, you know, who the quarterback's going to be, you know, is the running back, who's going to be the running back? Are we going to have multiple running backs? I mean, there's a lot of questions, but I see a lot of promise. Well, one thing I had a question for you, Wayne. Wayne Cook is with us. Find him on Twitter at Wayne Cook UCLA. You follow him. You can also figure out where to find your college sports now <laughs> yeah college sports now uh they do a great job the fellows over there and breaking down college football like no other so follow wayne and then he'll show you how to get to to college sports now and watch some of his other work in that realm and i'm thinking about the tight ends and also the linebackers where there is a little bit of depleted numbers if you were to look at a position group that creates the most Unease going into this season, Wayne. What would that be for you? Probably linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, to me, it's not going to be. It, it it wouldn't be tight ends only because um, I don't even know how to say this. And tight ends are ridiculously important. Don't get me wrong, but but it's hard to win without linebackers. You can find a way to work around only having a few tight ends. Um, I think the receiving core is deep enough. I, I think the uh, the tight ends that are coming back are plenty good enough. I think um, I think the the you know when you talk about Keyshawn Lucier South, when you talk about Josh Woods, when you talk about Chris Barnes, and it's a lot of playing time, right? It's good solid players. But here's the deal, though: they've done a pretty good job of uh, 
and then and uh, we didn't even mention uh, Toa Toa Loa also, right? There, I mean, there's a lot of players that are gone, I believe. So, sure. you know, but they've they've tried real hard to recruit and and bring in players. We saw um, some players step in late last year and do a pretty good job. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, I can't wait to get into fall camp. And like I said, to be able to actually stand and again, I'm being hopeful fingers crossed. Yes. Fingers crossed. Because we're remember positive. if, if I make UCLA practice watching fall practice, that means we're doing well with the pandemic. Right. Yes. So, so trust me, um, this isn't all just about football, but that's a good sign. If I'm out there, Yes. I want to watch the linebacker core because you know, I mentioned some guys, I mean, this, this school has had so many great linebackers. Uh, we had a stretch. I mean, I don't care if you're talking about Miles Jack or or Barr and Kendricks or, you know, John Brown or there's so many – Kenny Young. There, there's so many players that have gone on to be really good NFL players. Um, and when you watch them play sometimes when they're young or guys that you maybe don't know their names, you immediately go, okay, we're going to be okay. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just – you know, it's, it's funny. I, I don't um, – there was a player and it's funny. I get, I'm lucky enough to talk to some former players from time to time. And uh, one of my favorite players of all time is a guy by the name of Donnie Edwards. Um, and, and every time I see Donnie who had a great NFL career, he, he, he said he's a linebacker that played as long as he did in the NFL in a DB's body. I mean, really, he was always undersized, but man, the guy could run. He had great instincts. Donnie Edwards was, as he tells me, most of the time we talk sports, was the last in our in our class and in, in the to to get recruited. He was the he was the last guy picked. He was he was the last guy, and he was getting overlooked. And he just always kind of like and he went on to be all American. You know, over a decade in the NFL, such a good player. You could tell when you practice, and I still in my mind can envision looking at Donnie. <laughs> on the outside and every time I had a slant out or a curl out or something where I had to read him it was it was fun it was so fun because he was so good and so athletic and it's such great recovery time that it became like a challenge to me I gotta I gotta I gotta mess with with Edwards I gotta get him going the wrong way he made me such a better player but you could tell that when he was really really young I remember another player that ended up having a good career at UCLA, Weldon Ford. Weldon Ford was a player that, as a rookie, was this undersized defensive lineman. You know, he was a scout team player. He was a scout team player that we all hated. He was a scout team All-American. I'll still tell Weldon when I see him that he was that guy. He was like, dude, everybody hated you, Weldon, because he was, he was Rudy from the movie with a thousand times more talent. Oh, wow. He was really, really fast. He was really, really athletic. He just wasn't very big. But nobody, you couldn't block him. You couldn't hit him. And he was always in the backfield. He was the guy that would run into my arm and be like, come on, Weldon, stop hitting me. You know, he was always that guy. But you could tell from the scout team years that he was going to eventually be a good player. I, if that makes sense. I yeah. think we're, if we're recruiting well, there are guys right now that we're maybe not talking about that are going to come in and we're going to be like, you know what? That kid can play. And I'm hopeful that, that that's what it's going to turn out to be at the linebacker position. Now, things are different now because all the recruiting sites we know, we think we know everything about everybody. But remember, I think Eric Kendricks was a third, uh, three-star. Sure. He's one of the best linebackers I've ever seen. He's the, one of the most instinctive players. He, he knows the play before it's run. Guy's incredible. And I believe he was an all-pro this last year. I mean, he's, 
he is that good. He was he wasn't a big time recruit. There's a lot of guys that that get overlooked a little bit and they come in and they and I think UCLA's actually should be known for that. I mean JJ Stokes was in was in that same recruiting class and everybody wanted him to be a tight end. He he's he's one of the best college receivers I've ever seen. So so there are, there are always going to be those guys. We just got to find them. We we just got to find them. Yeah, and it's hard sometimes to weather through that recruiting landscape when you can't really have those in-person visits right now. But hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. Wayne Cook joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Wayne Cook UCLA. I'm on Twitter at Brian Fenley. Wayne, your boy David Medina checking in once again. And he's asking you on Twitter, on the show, he said, Wayne, what is your favorite game, your favorite win, and why? What say you? Well, I, I'm incapable of, of giving a short answer to anything. <laughs> my, my, my favorite game was the USC-UCLA game at the Coliseum in 1993. We had, uh, to, to, this whole year was, was, was magical. And I'll, I'll go back and I'll, I'll give a little bit of, you know, little bit of a story that leads up to why this was so important. We had started off the 1993 season 0-2. We lost to Cal in the very first game by, by two points, and I threw an interception at the end of the game, and I only threw three interceptions that whole year. So oh. I still remember that one, That's that, that, that right. I threw a pick at the end, and, and we might have had a chance to go in for a field goal. We played Nebraska. If anybody knows anything about Nebraska in 93, 94, oh, 95, yeah. these were elite, elite teams. We lost to Nebraska 14-13 to 13 at the Rose Bowl. So we were 0-2. Um, I still remember Coach Homer Smith in the meeting that week uh, saying that uh, he, in front of the whole team, he just announced that the quarterback play was not good enough. And I felt, you know, an inch tall. And I, I, I went out and we played San Diego State the next week, and I ended up having probably the best stretch of my career where I had three touchdown passes against San Diego State. I had four touchdown passes against BYU, uh, and I believe I had a, a, a rushing as well. And then I had four touchdown passes against the University of Washington. So I had 11 touchdown passes in three games, which at that time was a, was a school record. And we ended up going on an eight, seven-game winning streak. And Washington State, I, I got hit so hard that I had internal bleeding and I had to leave the game at halftime. It was a strong safety blitz. It was totally my fault. Nobody screwed up at me. I just didn't see him. And I ended up in the hospital um, with internal bleeding. So – I missed the next week game. And, and, and again, it's, this is the history of that season that I think is so fun. During that winning streak, we were scoring like 40 points a game. We were crushing. I think we scored 68 against that BYU team that I talked about. We were scoring points at will. Um, and so we play Arizona State the next week, and I didn't play. I couldn't play because I, still, I still had internal bleeding, and we scored three. We lose that game nine to three, I believe. So at this point, we have three losses. We lost one we, by a total of nine points. Okay. So anyway, we go into USC. And now there's us, Arizona, and USC that are all sitting there with two conference losses. And, the, and since we had beaten Arizona, which is another one of my favorite games, other Desert Swarm, Teddy Bruschi, all that good stuff, scored 31 on that defense. We play USC for it all at the Coliseum, at their place. And I got to tell you, I was still pretty beat up. This was a year removed from total reconstruction of my knee. I had the internal bleeding. I had been sick. So if you watch that game, and it still gets played every once in a while on, on, 
on ESPN Classics, I'm not normal. I'm kind of like my legs buckling on me every once in a while, and I'm not. So we go out to an early lead. We allow USC to get back in it, and it comes down to the end where SC is driving down the field. They hit a couple of deep balls, and I'm standing on the sidelines going, oh, my gosh, we're going to lose this thing. And uh, Marvin Goodwin, man, makes an interception in the end zone. And the place, well, the place didn't go nuts. The place went quiet because it was at the Coliseum, and we were running around like lunatics and took a couple of snaps and down the ball. And uh, to me, that game just mattered so much. There was a play in that game that I threw a post when we were, we were starting to lose the lead and it was getting tense and we needed points. And I completed a post to Kevin Jordan. It's one of my favorite throws of all time. I throw it, I'm moving up in the pocket. I throw it off the wrong leg and it's like a 50 yard, just it's one of the best passes I ever threw. Hit Kevin right stride. And we ended up getting a field goal out of it. But I'm telling you, it mattered a ton because we had lost momentum in that game. And like I said, we held on to win and we end up, you know, there's a Rose Bowl jersey right behind me. We, I have that because because we won that game. Uh, I was so tired, Brian, at the end of that game because um, of all I had been through and the injuries sure. and all that stuff. Normally, at the end of the game, everybody's singing their fight songs and shaking up, you know, soda cans and spraying them all, everybody. I, was, I, I still remember I came in and there was a, like a folding table kind of with drinks on it, and I just kind of brushed them all to the side, and I just kind of laid on the table, and I just laid there watching the team celebrate. I mean, I couldn't move. I didn't have any energy left in me. So to me, that moment right there was – it's what sports are all about. I mean, it's like people don't need to know about them, and I just told everybody about the injuries and all I'd been through. But just to survive that game and be a part of that moment was, was, was pretty gratifying. And you knew that – you could not have given it any more than you did. And that must be also gratifying because there was nothing that you couldn't have done in that game. You exerted all your energy beyond to make it happen. And, and how that feeling must have been to see your teammates celebrate and for you to know that you did it. And you might not have been able to celebrate at that point, but I'm sure, Wayne, knowing you, once you got your energy back, there was a moment where you had some fun with the guys. I wanted to ask you this too, Wayne. I'm in the, the school of thought that Josh Rosen has not been given his fair share of opportunities. I, I think if you look at the Cardinals and, and the Dolphins, it's just they've been bad setups for him. And I, I feel for him. And you would know better than I, being as a Bruin quarterback, what he's going through right now because of how talented you saw up and close and personal he was while he was a Bruin. And then the CMB highly drafted and yet to really get – the the production and, and live up to the hype in the NFL. If you could say something to Josh Rosen right now, what would that be to to keep him focused, to keep his spirits up? Because I still think if he lands in a place where they give him a, an ample opportunity, he will thrive. This is a, this is a really hard question. Yeah. You know, I, I talk about this on my college sports now when we're talking about quarterbacks. We're looking at Herbert. We're looking at Joe Burrow. We're looking at Tua. We're looking at, you know, even Jacob Eason for, for Washington. There's always something. I've been watching a ton of – because they've been showing a bunch of Peyton Place on ESPN, you know, a ton of, uh, you know, Peyton Manning show that's normally on ESPN Plus, and I've been oh, yeah, watching yeah. all these. I've been watching all these episodes, and I love listening to old quarterbacks talk. I love watching Steve Young talk about like he's a lawyer and yet he talked about how he never studied harder than he did in the NFL. 
wow. to learn the game. You, t- you talk about the physical anguish that you go through. And there was another episode where Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were, 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 were together and talking about all the, all the wars they had. And, and they remember every little detail. These guys are gym rats. They're, they're, they're guys that like to be great. If you watched the last dance, if you watched um, the Michael Jordan, the first part of that, the bulls, you know, last championship season, um, it, they're the great ones are driven to be great. I don't, I don't, I honestly don't believe they're driven by a paycheck. I think they're driven to be great because that's just the way they are. They, they, one of my favorite players in UCLA history is Maurice Jones drew and Maurice Jones drew no matter how good he was. And he was really, really good. He played the way he played because he loved the game. You know, he, he just, he was just so competitive. And I, I still remember the sun bowl where we, he got hurt and I wanted to take him out of the game and he almost fought like six doctors like, I'm playing. I'm like, he was like, he was like that driven. I mean, I, 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 if you're going to be successful in the NFL, it takes more than talent. You have to live it. You have to love it. You have to study it. You have to work it. And you have to realize that every single person in that, in the NFL is paid uh, for results. If you're a quarterback in the league and a defensive coordinator finds out what you're not good at, which is why a lot of quarterbacks can be good for a couple of years. And then we're like, Hey, whatever happened to so-and-so? Uh-huh. Well, it's because they realize what they can't do. The Peyton's and the Tom's and the, you know, the great ones that have existed. Russell Wilson's proven that he can do it for a long period of time. These are guys that when you think you figured them out, they figured you uh-huh. out. They're always one step ahead. Uh-huh. So Josh Rosen has as talented of a throwing arm. He, he just has such a natural ability. Um, people have questioned his leadership and the way he communicates with people. And listen, I, what do I know? I, the, the, every time I've talked to Josh, I think he's a great guy. Whether or not you're on a team where that syncs with your teammates, that's a different story. I don't, I don't know that aspect of it. I just know that it's an important aspect of it. It's, it's a part of being a quarterback. You want to step into a huddle and have a bunch of guys that want to play for you. And so he's got to just keep plugging away, keep maturing, keep growing up. Remember Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, in my opinion. I mean, he's, he's amazing. He had to sit and watch for a while. You know, he had to sit behind. Well, first of all, he went to a JC first before he went to Cal. And then he had to go sit behind Brett Farr for a little while before he got a ch- his chance. Steve Young got beat up in the league. And then he had to go to San Francisco, <clears throat> excuse me, and wait to play behind Joe Montana, you have to have that unbelievable desire. And I got to be honest with you. And when I was trying to make it at at certain point, I'm just like, man, I can't take any more painkillers. I can't keep doing this. You know, I can't keep putting myself through this. Josh Rosen though, seems pretty healthy. He's got a great arm. He's got a great mind. Just stick with it. Keep fighting. And I agree with you. If he ends up in the right place in the right circumstances, as he matures and grows, all this could end up being, now this is where this gets tricky. What he's gone through, which has been horrible. He has been dealt a terrible hand. Yeah, it's not fair. I mean, let's mobile, go. Mobile quarterbacks do better on bad teams than pocket quarterbacks do. And that makes sense, right? Yeah, that's a great point. It makes yeah. perfect sense. He needs to be put in a situation now, whether it's staying in, in, in Miami or whether it's going to a team that's really good that has an established quarterback, where he might be that guy that I'll give you an example. Um, Philadelphia. When Wentz goes down, our man from Arizona. Why am I forgetting his name right now? The guy that won the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's with the uh, Jaguars this year. Right now, he's going to Chicago. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
Come on, someone's got to help me with his name. Um, I know who I'm talking about. I just forgot it real quick. Yeah, I did um, too. <laughs> but either way, could you not see that being? Um, I'm picturing his face right now. Yeah, Nick Foles. Could could that not be something like Josh Rosen sitting there behind yeah. someone? Because trust yeah. me, with that arm, he's going to stay in the league. And he gets his chance, and people are like, "Wow, this guy's really good." If he's with the right team and the right people around him, which is such a big deal in the NFL anyway, right? It's a big deal everywhere. You know, you, if you have people around you that compliment you, you're going to be a lot better than you are if you're trying to do it all yourself. And Josh has had to try to do it all himself. And when you're a young player, remember, okay, I'll, I'll throw out another one. Remember Troy Aikman when he first came into the league with the Cowboys? Yeah. They were like one in 15. And he got – Peyton Manning first year. He was exactly. You, you, and then the next thing you know, they build something around you. And then if you're willing to do your part and grow and, and, and get better as well, then that could be the perfect mix. So I'm still hopeful, hopeful for Josh. It might be the best thing that ever happened to him that people maybe forget about him for a little bit. He gets an opportunity to just kind of relax and not being thrown into the fire on bad teams. And, you know, or, you know, who knows? He might come out next fall. I, he hasn't – he's still with Miami, right? Yes. But, yes. Yeah, who knows? He might end up – like they, who, they might draft Tua. And decide that two is not ready yet. They may draft two because you know it's hard. Even if you're you're Tua that played for Alabama, they may draft him and decide that Josh is going to get a shot. And if maybe Miami plays well and he does well, that could be good for him. Yeah, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's 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 he's in a t he's been put in a tough situation, uh, but he did make quite a bit of money being the I believe what was he the tenth what was it the tenth pick in the draft? I believe so. Yeah. With yeah. It's and it's crazy because you had that same organization that drafted him the following year, draft a quarterback the next year after him, which is I, I can't imagine being Josh and thinking, well, well that's a, a knock on my my self confidence, but it wasn't necessarily him. It was the new coaching staff they brought in right. and what they saw. What was what was Arizona's what was Arizona's record last year? Gosh, man. They were still bad, right? They were still bad. I mean, I think – Yeah, I mean, and I pointed it out. Kyler Murray, and, and this is not a knock on Kyler Murray. I like him. I mean, we, we saw him play up close yeah. and personal. Kyler Murray's a great player. But his his ability to move around, it kind of excites the fans. It gets people into the game. Though. And, and when you're young, I mean, I used to have this old saying, everybody likes the other guy. Rosen, get out of here. We're going to bring in Kyler Murray. He'll be like in, in Miami. If they draft Tua, everybody's going to be like Tua, 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 Tua. And if he comes in and realizes that he had better receivers and better offensive linemen at Alabama than they have in Miami, and he doesn't win, trust me, it doesn't take long for fan bases to decide that the hype isn't all there. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into this. There really yeah. is. And that, by the way, that was not a knock on Tua. I, I love Tua. He's a great player. That's not a knock on Murray, and that's not a knock on Rosen. But being in that situation where you get a chance to be on a really good team and be the quarterback that leads those teams, like Nick Foles, as we pointed out, it can change your career. What, and I, what I love, Wayne, is even from a basketball perspective, getting to follow, and like you as well, what Mick Cronin has done. And what I feel like what's such a great part of a coach like him is that he sees things in players that they don't see in themselves. And so maybe if you have a guy like Josh Rosen, who is able to saddle up with the coach who sees things that he can do that he doesn't think he can do himself gets him to that level, has patience with him, you know, all these great breeding grounds for, for learning. And I, again, I know not everybody 
that that's a a utopian society you know look at how that could happen but if 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 that happens i feel like that is his best way to grow and, and mature so that first of all well said um because i i agree with you there are for example look at drew drew Brees and the coaching staff and everything that's look at what happened with joe burrow last year with with an yeah. offensive coordinator. Look at what happened. I mean, there are, there are marriages in sports. You know, Troy Aikman and North Turner were, were, a, were a great marriage. You have to have that. I mean, look at what Holmgren uh, did as a coach. Look at what Andy Reid's done with so many quarterbacks. Like, seriously, like, quarterbacks play really well for him. Um, You've got to get lucky. You, you want to be in a, in a situation where, like you said, you get put in a situation with a coach that knows – I'm not going to lie. I was extremely lucky that when I was recruited, Homer Smith wasn't at UCLA. Homer Smith came to UCLA, and if anybody wants to do a deep dive into UCLA football, pretty much most of the Rose Bowl teams were coached by Homer Smith, offensive coordinator, going all the way back to Mark Harmon. You know, they they just – whenever he left, whenever he came back, we won. He was a genius. He was brilliant, and I was so lucky – to be coached by him. Um, and, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like, he saw stuff in me that I, he yeah. said something to me and he would look at me and says, Wayne, he goes, you have this unbelievable ability to throw the ball, like to start a throw and to throw it somewhere else. And I know this is hard to, for people to understand, but I'd be like step, like I was throwing a curl and to be able to throw the quick out without adjusting my body, which by the way, is a bad, bad idea. Normally you should shift your feet, Sure. but I had the ability to change my throw in mid throw which is one of the reasons why I didn't throw very many interceptions. But that's something that most people would never see. Sure. When he told me that, I didn't even know I did that. I started thinking about it, and I'm like, the guy saw stuff that that most people wouldn't ever even think about. There are great minds in this game, and we we could go down the list and name a bunch of them, going all the way back to the Bill Walsh's of the world, right? And, and there's just people that get it. And if you're lucky enough to be, but there are also, and I have to be careful when I say this, there are also guys that are fakers. Sure. They're copiers. They're, they're people that, that if they're, if they're lucky enough to get good players around them, they'll win. But there's other coaches that have a way of making people better and, and, and turning average players into really, really good players are really, really good players into great players. And if you're lucky enough to get around coaches like that, and I'm not, by the way, Terry Donahue's that guy too. If you're lucky enough to be around coaches like that, and from what I've seen of Chip Kelly so far, that's why I always tell people, you mentioned Coach Cronin, which, by the way, I'm so impressed with what he did this year. So impressed with how the players played this year. I always have to remind people, though, that football and basketball are totally different. We see basketball teams that are flipped over almost every year with the one-and-done stuff, and you can find a way to take those 20 guys, you know, and and really if your rotation is eight, nine deep, and, and mold them into a team, I think, quicker than you can in football. Sure. Because the, the, the rebuild's so much more difficult because there's so many pieces involved. Um, and by the way, that's not a knock on. I, I love this basketball season. One of, my, yeah. one of the most fun times I've had watching a basketball season in a long time because you watched a bunch of young players that needed to be taught how to play a certain way. And by the end of the year, they were playing that way. Yeah. And I would have loved to have seen that team in the tournament, and I'm bummed because they were going to get in. I, I'm, yeah. I, and if they didn't get in, there's something wrong with the, with, the, with the group of people that decide. Because it's not how you start the season, it's how you end the season. I sure. think they had proven that they deserve to be in. Um, so, but in football, it takes a little bit more time. I think the process is similar. It just takes longer. 
I think Coach Kelly's actually trying to build a team the right way where it has staying power. And, and like I said, with the numbers that are involved, that, that takes a little bit of time, which is why I was so excited for this year. The schedule may have been a little bit easier. I don't like to say that, but <laughs> the non-conference isn't quite as brutal. Sure. Um, and I just, I just feel like this year was a year that, that UCLA was going was gonna to show, and, um, and I'm hopeful that it, that it still happens. I'm not talking national championship yet. I hope the players are because I hope they believe that they can win every game. Sure. But as, a, as an analyst, I, I see a team, though, that could definitely win quite, you know, in that eight, nine range. And, and, and who, who knows if things go well more, if things don't go well, a few less, but definitely a bowl team mm-hmm. that, that, you know, starts recruiting. Cause remember when you win, you recruit better. These kids all watch TV. <laughs> so you right. So then they see every single game across the country. So all of that stuff, I think has, has hope for, for, for UCLA football, but I'm, I'm pumped about the basketball program. I, I think that's in the way that they're, they're pulling in some, some recruits and the transfer from Kentucky. Yeah, dude. He, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because he, he's from LA. So yeah. like he's a local product. So we need those, those guys, all of them, football, and basketball. When you start winning, they stay home. They stay home. The PAC 12 conference did better in basketball this year. The PAC 12 conference, Oregon's starting to show, right? Now we need the South start showing a little bit. That's right. Uh, right. And, and if that starts happening, you remember you people, whichever way the wind blows, you know, kids are very much, did you win last year? What have you done for me lately? And if, if, if Clemson and Alabama and Ohio state are winning every year, every year, every year, every year, that's great. And if there's no one at home here in LA saying, stay here, it's easy for them to get on a plane and go. And nowadays, if you don't like it, you just transfer back. <laughs> yeah. So I know that sounds crazy, but that's the world we live in. But if you start winning and start, you know, doing the things that you should do and UCLA gets back to where, cause I'm telling you, man, it's such an awesome school. We have amazing color scheme. We look good. The Rose Bowl is a great facility. It's just, you know, start winning some games, showing people. And then people will come, man. I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I see it. I could see it in the near future. It has to happen. It's been, it's been too long. It, it has Wayne. And I can tell how much you love your university because you're representing it on your t-shirt you've got I, I, your, your jersey I did, I, yeah i changed i wanted to make sure i wanted to make sure all our people at under armor knew that i am i am i'm supporting uh at all times i mean come on you and me both know this our closets are filled with ucla gear which we're is great. great it's we're very grateful for that yes yeah, it's, Wayne it's, it's, Cook, yeah. it has been an absolute pleasure. Would love to do this again with you down the road soon. I learned a lot. I know our listeners and our viewers are going to learn a lot from you, from your nostalgia and your playing days to your outlook on the Bruins draft prospects to some of the biggest storylines heading into the next season. And then also with that hint of positivity, which I love. And that's what I'm all about too, Wayne, because I think we will have a season it's just the question of when it will start. Like you said, there's such a financial incentive for a season that they will find a way to make it happen. It might not be pretty. It might not be like it was last year, but there's going to be a way to make this happen, I believe. Wayne Cook, follow him on Twitter at Wayne Cook UCLA. Follow him. He's got tons of content with College Sports Now, and you can catch all of his Great commentary there. We are so glad to have you, Wayne. And let's do this again sometime. Brian, thank you so much. And I'll say the same for you, buddy. Keep up the good work. I mean, I love seeing the, the names you're pulling in. You know, I'm a little bit of a downgrade, but like no. previous, previous guests, I, I, I've been, I've been uh, I'm proud of what you're doing. Thanks, and uh, 
for, for, to get to work with you and Nick and, and watch you guys grow up in, in this business. And I know you, you work crazy hours. I see you, you know, <laughs> yeah. working the, working the, the night shift sometimes and yeah. doing all you're doing, keep working hard and, uh, and, and keep bringing on the big time guests. It, it's been fun. Thanks Wayne. I'm thinking, you know, we all want an escape and because we can't have sports right now, let's bring back some of the legends in, in the game and see if they'll talk about it. And Absolutely. if there is a time for them to talk, it's right now, you know, because there's people just hanging out in their homes, dying to talk about sports, dying to tap into nostalgia. So it's, it's really cool that we have you Wayne. And I know, you know, one of my neighbors in, in, he played for the Bruins in, in Darren Klein. Yep. And so it, don't it, even bring him up. The guy's crazy. Just, <laughs> yes. Darren, I, I'm uh, telling you, is he bully you? I mean, is, is uh, Darren, yeah, does he mess bit. with you a little a, bit? A little yeah. bit. He's a good at bit. that. Yeah. He bullies, he bullies me too. <laughs> he says he does it all out of love, but <laughs> so Wayne, let's do this again and let's make it happen. Um, thanks again yep. for your time. And I know everybody will appreciate all the, the cool things that you had to say. Go Bruins.